More farm system previews. Let's talk about the Baltimore Orioles. You are Locked On MLB Prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, welcome on in to Locked On MLB Prospects, your home for all things minor league baseball. I'm your host, Lindsey Crosby baseball writer and podcaster. Thank you for making this your first listen every single day. And as we've been doing this week and all the way up until Pitchers and Catchers Report in February, we're going to go through every single farm system and uh, get you ready for 2023. Today, Baltimore Orioles, and more so than a lot of other teams, Baltimore is banking on the quality of this top four and the impact that they can have on the organization. Uh, wasn't super active in free agency. You went out and you got Adam Frazier, but for the most part, kind of rolling with the guys on the roster. Uh, and these top two prospects are a big reason why you can rely on that depth to be competitive in the AL East in 2022. You were 83 and 79 last year without these guys. But number one prospect in the system, Gunnar Henderson, 2019 second rounder out of high school here in Alabama, near where I live. Uh, and Looked fantastic last year, right? Got 112 games in the minors between AA Bowie, AAA Norfolk, and then got called up to the bigs for a cameo at the end of the year. Uh, So 112 minor league games, 297, 416, 531, 19 home runs, 50 extra base hits, and 79 walks to 116 strikeouts with 22 of 25 on stolen bases. Uh, Got called up to the bigs, 34 games of time, playing some third base, some shortstop. I think he even played second once or twice. But 259, 349, 440. So you see the 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 on-base come down, you know, 70, 80 points. You see the slugging come down almost, you know, 90 or so points. But four home runs, 12 extra base hits. And then in those 34 games, you had 16 walks to 34 strikeouts. One of two on stolen bases. And... Part of the reason that Baltimore is so excited for Gunnar Henderson uh, and is and was content to stay put is Gunnar to them has the floor of a guy that contends for all-star games and the ceiling of a potential MVP. And I think that's probably the right way to look at Gunnar Henderson. Uh, number one prospect in baseball for a reason. And when you look at his tools, everything is plus or better. Uh, hit tool. 60 grade. Power is probably a 70 grade. He's one of the better power hitters in this system, uh, despite being a shortstop and despite being so young. I mean, he was 21 last year when he got called up. Uh, Speed-wise, plus speed. Uh, Defense, I think, uh, plus he would be at least above average, if not plus, at shortstop. I think if he moved to third, and I don't think he has to. He could stick it short defensively. If he moved to third, I think he would be elite. Like, he'd be one of the three best third defensive third basemen in baseball. Uh, arm is probably a 70 grade. It's an absolute cannon, and that's part of the reason I think he could, like, he would, he would look a lot on defense like a Manny Machado would look with the fantastic throws from a foul territory on the third base side to get a fast runner at first. I mean, that's the kind of level we're talking about. Uh, for Gunnar Henderson. Offensively, there's not a ton of stuff to work on. The biggest issue that I saw in that brief look last year was 
spin on the outer half. He seemed to have a little bit of an issue. But it was either a swing decision thing or it was a when I did swing, you would just like miss. So whether it's chase or whether it's just not picking up if it's going to be a strike or not when it's spin on the outer half. And I think that's something that one is experience, right? You need to see these big league pitchers and see what that what those breaking pitches can do before you can comfortably read it out of the hand and know whether it's going to be a ball or a strike. Uh, but he still has, again, plus hit tool, I think a 70-grade power. I mean, and when you look at what he did last year, uh, average exit below 92.4, hard hit rate greater than 50%. Gunnar Henderson's number one prospect in baseball for a reason. And the reason is he is very, very good. Now, do I... Do I know if he'll be all-star to MVP level in year one? Probably not, but know that that is the ceiling for a Gunnar Henderson. Uh, Number two prospect in the system would be number one in a lot of other organizations, but right-hand pitcher Grayson Rodriguez. 2018 first rounder out of high school, 6'5", 220. Uh, You would have seen him last year if not for some of the little uh, injuries. He hasn't really been injured in his career, but... Uh, he was in AAA Norfolk, and then he was getting ready to come up. He'd just been named Player of the Month for May. And lat strain. By the time he made it back to a mound late in the season, uh, they ended up not using him at the big league level. But 14 games started in AAA. 6-1, and one, 220 ERA in 69.2 innings pitched, 97 strikeouts, so 12.5 per nine to 21 walks, 2.7 per nine, two home runs allowed. And the thing here, one of the few pitchers that I feel comfortable saying, this dude could be a number one pitcher. Like Andrew Painter, Grayson Rodriguez, end of list as of right now. Uh, Fastball, 70 grade fastball. Sits 96 to 98, touches 100. He can spot it for a strike anywhere in the strike zone, right? He can he can throw it to any quadrant, to all nine pockets, no no issues. He can spot it where he wants to put it. Slider, 70 grade. Uh, it's, it sits low 80s, can get to 85, has a lot of late movement to it. And the thing with it is he, he can adjust the shape of the pitch, right? He can make it... Uh, break more and earlier. He can make it break less and later. And so it's only like it's one pitch, but it serves the function of maybe two pitches. But again, controls it very well, can put it wherever he wants to with whatever kind of shape he wants to put on it. And so very, very useful. The the changeup, learn that pitch in professional baseball, but it is a plus pitch. It kind of looks like a screwball, but he can throw it against both lefties and righties. Uh, curveball, I think is above average. Uh, Some of that's potential. He doesn't use it a ton. He did unveil a cutter last year, mostly against lefties. Uh, And I think that's something that could be above average as well with a little more work on it. Um, Again, had the lat injury last year, but outside of that, you haven't really seen him have physical issues. He's, you know, the big frame, very repeatable delivery, Looks phenomenal. I'm very excited to see him take a major league rotation job out of spring training, uh, run that throughout the season, and see how well he does. The only thing that I will say is 
he got 100 innings in 2021. Uh, last year, he only got about 75. And so you're going to have a question at some point in time of how much do we jump his workload in 2023? And the Orioles hope that they're in a pennant chase and it's a tough decision versus being out of it. We'll see what happens. Number three prospect in the system, shortstop Jackson Holiday. Number one overall last year. Uh, you know, obviously the son of Matt Holiday, who I think just resigned as the, as the Cardinals bench coach. But uh, not a ton to give you here because he got 12 games in the minors last year. So a lot of this is kind of still the scouting report from the draft, but should absolutely stick at shortstop. Like appears to be a no doubt shortstop. And then offensively, looks like he's going to hit for a bunch of power, but more so just significant on base. Age 18, Loe Delmarva, 12 games the end of, after the draft. 15 walks to 10 strikeouts. Should absolutely be an on-base machine. The power is going to come in as he physically matures. So you're going to feel really good about Jackson Holiday being hopefully the last top like highly drafted prospect you get for a while if you're the Orioles. You don't want to draft it there again. And then number four, Colton Kowser. So uh, 2021 first rounder out of Sam Houston State is going to be knocking on the door this year. And we'll get to that in a few minutes about where can he play and, and what options do we have out there. But 138 games last year between AA Bowie and AAA Norfolk. 278, 406, 469. 19 home runs, 57 extra base hits, 94 walks to 174 strikeouts, which, yes, that is high. 138 games, 174 strikeouts. 18 to 21 on stolen bases. Defensively, let's get this out of the way. I think he could be average in center field. The speed is above average. The arm is above average. So he can he can play center field. He can be average in center field. If he comes up this year, Cedric Mullins is your starting center fielder, so you can put him in a corner and you're fine. Uh, going forward, if Cedric Mullins is injured or traded or whatever, uh, Colton Kowser can play center field at an average level. Don't expect, you know, the best defense in baseball, but don't expect him to be a liability. Offensively, I think, one, he's not ready. But two, he's kind of got to figure out what he wants to be. This is one of the reasons the Orioles like to give those like their guys 300 or so at-bats in AAA before they call them up. He's got to figure out what he wants to be. So, double-A buoy, 341, 469, 568 in 49 games. Fantastic slash line, right? When he goes to AAA Norfolk, 219, 339, 429 and more muted, subdued slash line. I think he has the skills to go either way. He can either be that high average, high on base percentage gap hitter who can put a ball from foul pole to foul pole into the gaps and take extra bases, or he can lean into that pull side power because he is a lefty. So in Baltimore, he's not hitting into that deep left field. If he's pulling the ball for power, he can give you above average home runs. I think the power is above average. He just has to figure out which one he wants to do. I would rather him be the high batting average, high on base guy, but it kind of depends on what the team needs. I feel like you can get power somewhere else. Like you saw what he did, what the strikeouts did, 174 and 138 games because they were talking to him about leaning more into the power doing damage with your swings, uh, pulling the ball 
elevating the ball. And you kind of saw what happened. The home run started coming, but the strikeouts ticked up as well. So decision to be made there. In just a minute, I want to get into the state of the pitching in this system. Really interesting. But first, today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Built Bar. If you're looking for a delicious treat, but you don't want all of the fat and the calories, you've got to try a Built Bar. We just got to the holidays. My goal, one of my goals, has been to eat a little healthier this year. And if you're like me and you want to eat healthy, but you don't want to compromise taste, then I have got the thing for you. You've got to try Built Bar. Healthy is actually tasty. Like, they're so delicious that you won't believe they're actually good for you. It's perfect for your New Year's resolution. Uh, so. For starters, all Built Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate. The flavors are fantastic. Churro, peanut butter brownie, coconut almond, and then nutritionally, it hits all your macros, right? 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 17 grams of protein. And in the Built Bar has been here for a while. We love and appreciate Built Bar here at the Locked On Podcast Network. And I've always told you to go to Built.com and use promo code LOCKEDON15 or whatever it might be to get a discount. And then you got to wait for the packages to come in the mail. Now you don't need to do that anymore. You can go to your local Walmart or Sam's Club. If you go to Walmart, walk to the pharmacy section, grab yourself a box of Built Bars. You can get a four-bar box of cookies and cream, of double chocolate, or of coconut puff. If you're close to Sam's, you can run in and grab a 13-bar box of brownie batter and churro. So you can go to built.com. You can check out the list of everything there, the limited time things, the seasonal things, sign up for a subscription plan if you want, or you can go to Walmart or Sam's Club and pick up a box. You can thank me later. Okay, so state of the pitching for the Baltimore Orioles. It's really interesting how they do. I think we're at the point now where we have to put the Orioles up in one of those higher tiers as far as player development and drafting. Kind of like we talk about Tampa Bay or Cleveland or the Dodgers or even the Astros. Like the thing that I'm very impressed with is they definitely have synergy. Corporate buzzwords. They definitely have synergy and, and, and harmony between scouting and player development and the actual like draft pick. Everything kind of falls in line. They understand, here are the traits that we want to look for. We're going to identify prep and college players that have these traits. Then we're going to use data-driven instruction and pitch design to create weapons using those traits so that we can have pitchers to the quality of a Grayson Rodriguez. I mean, when we talked about him, we talked about there was two or three pitches he added while in the minors. He added the cutter. He added the change. Like, things that he didn't have before that he he figured out with the help of this organization in the minors. And now we're talking about him being a number one pitcher in baseball. Obviously, he was talented. He was a first-round pick. But they have built him into more than what he was when they got him. And that's exactly what you want to see. It's something where everything moves in the same direction. The messages are consistent. And the Orioles kind of have the thing that they like to do when they stick with it. And it's it's really admirable. And I think that we need to give more recognition and kudos to the Orioles for being a team that can do that. So like looking at some of these pitchers. Okay, Trace Bright. Uh, 2022 fifth rounder out of Auburn. 
Uh, somebody that people both inside and outside the organization are very excited about. Uh, some of his offseason workouts, I've, I've heard the quote, you're not going to believe these track man numbers, talking about Trace Bright. Uh, and like as somebody who saw his track man numbers in college, uh, I mean, I, he is, they're right. Uh, he has traits that they have identified. So kind of ignore, I don't want to say ignore, but his, his regular season stats don't look that great in college last year. 80 and two-thirds innings, 94 strikeouts to 38 walks, and a 5.13 ERA, right? But go back, if you want to watch a game to see kind of what he does, go back to the College World Series and watch the opening round victory against Stanford. He goes five innings with eight strikeouts and two runs. And he's out there, he's got uh, a fastball, mid-90s, touches 97, a good life up in the zone, uh, two-seamer that he's, he's, Running down in the zone, you know, it's good sink on it. Uh, a twelve to six curveball that is somewhere between above average and plus. Big breaker that's just buckling, guys, like just buckling at the knees. And then to go along with it, uh, he's he's got a a hard slider with some depth to it. You know, average now could get better, and then a plus changeup in the low eighties, and just like with some good fade to it, and. He has the traits, and they are molding him into a pitcher. And he just has to be consistent with those secondaries and keeping that two-seamer down. And you're looking at a guy that had a 5 ERA his his final year of college turning into an MLB pitcher. Uh, Another guy in this system who I'm very excited about, and again, you can very easily see why they wanted a guy like this, uh, D.L. Hall. So 2017 first rounder out of Valdosta, Georgia, out of high school. And uh, one of the best fastballs that I have seen from a lefty in a long time. Uh, 80 grade, 97 to 99, touches 101 with it. Looks, I mean, looks absolutely ridiculous. Uh, The slider, 70 grade, high 80s. It has a bunch of sweep to it. Totally misses bats. And then has a changeup that is a plus pitch in the low 80s. So you've already got your different speeds there. Your low 80s, your high 80s, and your high 90s. Uh, plays really well off the fastball, right? Looks just about the same coming out of the hand. And then last minute, changeup does changeup things. Fastball just keeps going up in the zone. Uh, curveball, low 70s, but same thing. I'm sorry, uh, yeah, high 70s, low 80s, but same thing. Plays really well off the fastball. Just the tools are, the stuff is fantastic. Now, one of the issues you have here is controlling that stuff, commanding that stuff, doesn't always happen the way you'd want it. So, 22 AAA games, 18 starts before they got ready to put him in the big league bullpen. 470 ERA in 76 and two-thirds innings. 125 strikeouts, 14.6 per nine. The stuff is good. To 49 walks, 5.7. The the command and control issues are real. Uh, 10 home runs allowed. Now, he got 11 games in the bigs in the bullpen. 5.93 ERA in 13 and two-thirds innings. 19 strikeouts, or 12.5 per nine of big leaguers, to six walks, 3.95 per nine. If he can repeat the delivery more consistently 
that's going to help him have his command around the strike zone. He's got the great extension that makes these things play up. The fastball velocity for a lefty is phenomenal. It's good, period, but for a lefty, it's phenomenal. He's got multiple pitches. He's got a great, like, he has four plus or better pitches, fastball, curveball, slider, changeup. It's just the control, the command and control is below average because the delivery is not repeated. If he can do that, he can be a number two starter. If not, you're looking at a bullpen guy. And I think a reasonable middle ground could be a mid-rotation kind of thing. So he's going to compete for a job out of spring training. Let's see what they cook up with him over the summer. In just a minute, I want to get to the superlatives, some of the unique and interesting players in this system right here on Locked on MLB Prospects. And we're back. Going over the Baltimore Orioles system and kind of doing some of the superlatives here. Uh, Something we say on the show a lot is your power tool is only as good as your hit tool, right? So every system has that guy, right? That tons of raw power, questions about the hit tool. In this system, it's Kyle Stowers. Uh, 2019 second rounder supplemental out of Stanford. Stands 6'3", 200. Uh, 95 games in AAA last year in Bowie. Uh, in, In Norfolk, sorry. 264, 357, 527, 19 home runs, 51 extra base hits, 45 walks to 104 strikeouts in 95 games, and 3 of 5 on stolen bases. Got in about 34 games in the bigs last year, so still has rookie eligibility. 253, 306, 418, 3 home runs and 8 extra base hits, 5 walks to 29 strikeouts. Um, All right, let's get it out of the way. Defense first. Uh, he can play center field. He would be fringe to average. He's better suited in a corner. Plus arm, speed's above average. He'd be an ideal right fielder. And the power is very good. I mean, the power is probably 65 grade. The issue you have here is making contact. So he has a very aggressive upward plane swing, right? And so he got a little bit better Uh, Cut down the strikeout rate. It's actually better in 22 than it was in 21. Uh, But he cut down the strikeout rate a bit because he toned down how aggressively up he was swinging at every ball. So it helps with the velocity up in the zone. And then the issue he had to face was pitchers throwing him off speed and throwing him breaking stuff off the plate because they didn't want to give him something he could hit. Once he solved the issue of fastballs up in the zone, they started attacking him that way. Still a work in progress as far as fig- as far as making the adjustments, figuring that out. And you saw the strikeouts and the swings and misses in the majors. I think he's going to be one of those. I think 253 is probably right around the best case scenario for a batting average in the bigs. But if he gets to play every day, you're looking at a guy who's going to hit you 25 home runs. So there's there's give and take. Again, I think that's probably kind of the ceiling as a 250 batting average. Uh, and it just it all depends on how well can he adjust to off speed and breaking stuff away because they don't want to throw him fastballs up in the zone anymore. The breakout prospect in this system, one of the many infielders, uh, shortstop Darrell Hernandez. I think I'm saying that right. 2019 fifth rounder out of high school. Got 105 games last year between low A, high A, and a brief cameo in double A Bowie. 
273, 341, 438. 12 home runs, 38 extra base hits, 35 walks to 81 strikeouts, and 32 with 36 on stolen bases. The thing that's going to lit Daryl Hernia's stick in the bigs doesn't help fantasy baseball, folks, but he can play anywhere in the infield. He's got a good arm. He's got good speed. Super athletic, right? One of the best athletes in the system. The issue you have is he's also pretty raw. Now, over the last, like, we saw him at age 19 in Delmarva. The issue you have is he was drafted at age 17 in 2019. Lost 2020. Gone. Was not at the alternate site. And so you drafted him and then immediately just did not see him for a year. Uh, going from, he spent the entire year in Delmarva uh, in 2021 and then Delmarva to Aberdeen in 22. And you could see... Uh, working on the on-base percentage, his on-base went from 333 in low A in 21 to 376 in high A in 22. The power started to come in. He hit six home runs in 2021. He hit 11 in 2022. Slugging went from like 358 to uh, 438, so 80 points better. And I think the ceiling that you're looking at is an everyday regular with average power, but the fact that he can play so many places, he hits fly balls more than half the time. Uh, I think if that power continues to develop a little bit more, you're going to have a really intriguing player uh, and just another useful infield depth piece for this Baltimore organization. The guy that needs to stay healthy, if you listened to... Our Arizona Fall League episodes, you've heard all about this guy, but Heston Kierstad. So 2020 first rounder out of Arkansas was actually, like University of Arkansas, was actually the number two overall pick. But had myocarditis, lost his entire 2021. 2022's introduction was delayed because of a hamstring strain. And so ultimately got into 65 games in 2022, 309, 394, 457, five home runs, 24 extra base hits, 29 walks to 64 strikeouts. They sent him to the Arizona Fall League because those numbers were drastically different between low A DeMarva and high A Aberdeen. So he went to the Fall League in 22 games, 357, 385, 622, five home runs, 15 extra base hits, but five walks to 31 strikeouts. And I think the big thing, Kesson Hirstad needs to stay healthy because he's a talented player. He has tools. The raw power is probably 70 grade, right? Uh, Kind of a busy swing, lots of moving parts in there. But the issue is he's just, he's behind, right? He's missed so much time that all of the timing and everything else is gone. I saw him some in the minors. I saw him some in Arizona. The bat speed's good, but he's missing fastballs in the zone. He can't time up an off-speed pitch. It's just something, insanely talented player, you're absolutely not going to give up on him because when it all comes back together, you're looking at a guy that's a a bat-first corner outfielder that can hit you 30 home runs in a season. It's just a matter of, He's got to get that timing back. So he needs to be healthy to get reps against major league or professional baseball players. I expect him to start off at high A Aberdeen and then hopefully get moved to double A Bowie pretty quickly. The defensive outfielder, the standout in this system to me is outfielder Judd Fabian. 
2022 second rounder supplemental um, out of University of Florida. Uh, was previously drafted by the Red Sox, and they could not come to a deal with them because they didn't. They knew before the draft what he wanted, and they just never offered it to him. It was weird. But anyway, uh, 18 games between A and, and high A last year. 309, 415, 618. Three home runs, 13 extra base hits, 13 walks to 17 strikeouts. Was 0 for 2 on stolen bases, but that's fine. He's a plus defender. Uh, speed is above average to plus, depending on when you catch him. Uh, arm, above average to plus. Again, depending on when you catch him. And looked a lot better in low A Delmarva than high A Aberdeen. Age 21. Small sample sizes on both. 10 games in Delmarva, 8 in Aberdeen. But I think defensively, he absolutely can stick and be a plus defender in center field. He can like he can positively impact games for you. The issue and the question is where is his hitting ability going to end up, okay? So good eye at the plate, good pitch recognition, doesn't expand the zone a ton, okay? 2021 in college, walked just about 15% of the time, brought that up to 20% of the time in 2022. Also hit 24 home runs. So you like that. Here's the downside. One, he pulled a lot of those home runs. Well, he's a righty in Baltimore. You're not going to be able to pull those home runs in this ballpark. But then two, in conference play in 2022, he batted 193 in 30 games with 37 strikeouts to 33 walks. So where is the real Judd Fabian? How much swing and miss is going to be in the game as he keeps moving up the levels? And can he hit enough to make the deep, like where we can use his defense on an everyday game to game basis versus capping out as a fourth outfielder and a defensive replacement type? Fantastic week this week. One more show coming up on Saturday. We've got the Boston Red Sox, their farm preview. But mailbag on Monday. If you have questions for the show, I'm on Twitter at Crosby Baseball. Show's on Twitter at Locked On Farm. You can email us, lockedinmlbprospects at gmail.com or Drop your questions in the new Locked at MLB Prospects Discord. Link is in the episode description. Link is in the show notes. Just a bunch of baseball fans chatting about free agency and who's released and who's traded and our farm systems and trading cards and all of that stuff. It's a fun time. Until tomorrow's show, this has been Locked on MLB Prospects. 